you're sleeping, I slip in your room, and I kneel down at your side with my hand on your chest as you take each breath. Here's what I pray for your Was awake before the sun 
With his Bible opened up Seeking truth with every single page he turned Anyone could see My daddy lived what he believed With a gentle heart or passion for Jesus' burn I know we had our times we disagreed Well, happy Father's Day. Happy 
That was a good show. Thank you. Those who worked for the show, we thank them all. Um, especially Sonia, Michael, and who else? Help me. Is that enough? And all the others, that's fine. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning, Father's Day. And I am so thrilled to be able to celebrate another Father's Day with you here in this church. Hopefully next year we'll celebrate it up in heaven. You come to my mansion, I will see if you, if I can, you know, get you there. Are you going to have chocolate? Speaking of chocolate, I have, you see, I have followers in this church. <laughs> I have followers, and uh, I assign them, assign them duties and responsibilities. And uh, one of their duties, especially the ones, the little ones, are to just look from upstairs, and you don't know where they are, and they will always let me know if there's someone who is sleeping in the church so I can call and uh, work on them. So the pastor, I, <laughs> this is, this is, let me tell you about it. So Pastor Jones, let's call him Pastor Jones, had some friends in the church, little ones. One of them, his name was Tommy. And Tommy had a grandfather who used to come to church and sit by Tommy. But this grandpa used to sleep, you know. The moment Pastor Jones starts starts his message, grandpa goes down. So, so the pastor said, hey, Tommy, suppose I give you a quarter. Every Sunday you sit by grandpa. Every time he nods down, he wants to sleep. You wake him up, Tommy said. Tommy, is, is, he likes to make money, right? That reminds me of Jordan, my grandson. <laughs> Oof, Jordan is an entrepreneur, I tell you right now. So I said, hey, it's a deal, pastor. So one Sunday, Tommy's sitting there, Grandpa's sitting there, Grandpa slept. So the pastor was not happy, he took Tommy. He said, Tommy, what happened? You failed me this time. Grandpa went to sleep. He said, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. Grandpa offered me a dollar. <laughs> So these little ones that you see sitting here, I don't bribe them, I compensate them. <laughs> Chocolates and what have you. All right. Adam, soon your son will join them. Don't worry. He'll be working for me. <laughs> ah, It's good to be here, to have you, to enjoy Father's Day altogether. May the Lord bless you. And I have a, a verse to share with you. It's found in Proverbs 16.6. And uh, if Ed is here, if he's not here, you'll probably, oh, here it is. It says, grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of sons 
is their fathers. So grandfathers and fathers, we are to be an example. On this Father's Day, we are very excited that the good Lord granted us another time, another Sunday, to celebrate this important day in the lives of many. Every home needs a strong symbol of authority. A godly father who is willing to accept this challenge and to take up this huge responsibility. But in all sincerity, the father actually cannot be all he ought to be as a father and as a man unless, and watch this, unless he knows Jesus Christ as his Savior. Period. So if I may suggest on this glorious day, for men to be godly and also at the same time to be fathers who have Christ as their guide in helping the family to grow as a Christian family. In order to do that, this morning, not yet the afternoon, I want to share a few things that fathers especially, and we can take a lesson out of this altogether. And I'm speaking to myself first. I'm a father and a grandfather at first. Fathers need to really take up this responsibility to be the head of the family first they should have a spiritual conviction. Spiritual conviction. Godly fathers need to have spiritual conviction. Just one look at the world around us today, and I don't need to go in details. We see deterioration on every hand. We see people who once had convictions concerning right and wrong have yielded to compromise in their daily lives. Don't you agree with me? Today, people have accepted twisted principles in our society just to get by and enjoy the life going on. Christians in this beautiful land of ours, and I mean it, this land is the best land that God has ever created under the sun. Long live the USA. Amen? We live We'll leave that excitement till the 4th of July. Okay. We have been discouraged the way our society is going. We have been discouraged. And people look for leaders, and they look at so-called leaders and have been so far disappointed. Instead of integrity, we have seen dishonesty. Instead of truthfulness, we have been seeing lies all along. We need men at this junction in the life of our society. We need men with character who will not be swayed by the desire to gain or glory. What this world needs today, men, what this world needs today Men who stand against all wrong and call what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. Do you agree with that? 
Let's stand up for that. Our society is very sick. There is evil in our society. The Bible says we heard that this morning in Galatians 1.4. This says, it says this evil world, our society, as I said, is completely out of whack. That is why we need men of convictions. In our homes, we need fathers who have convictions concerning the important issues of life and who are willing, who are willing to practice these virtues in their daily living. We need fathers to set examples for their wives and children, first by honoring Jesus Christ, and second, by exercising their duties and responsibilities toward their families. We need men that they should exercise devotions in their families, prayers in their families. They should follow the principles of the Bible in their families, not what they believe is good, not what society is dictating for them to follow. Our still, our reference is still the Bible and nothing else. When the principles of the Bible are to be exercised in every family by the man first, because he's supposed to be the head of the family, when these principles are exercised, there is no way you can lose your children to the world or see them go astray when they grow up. Because the Bible is always right and the promise is as follows. Train your child in the way he should go, fathers, and when he grows up, help me. Do you believe the word of God? And that's what it is. A good father has a close sense of family unity where the members of the families eat together, take vacations together. I mean that. They play together. They plan together. And they go to church together. And when you have a family that follows these principles, fathers, they will never go astray. You will never have a problem with your wife. You'll never have a problem with your children. And I'm speaking to Christian people today. When our homes have this kind of husbands and fathers, families will grow up in the way of the Lord, period. Oh, how much we need fathers with holy convictions, standing firm on the word of God. There is no foundation you can build on in your family, even in, at work, at school. There is no other foundation except the foundation that is found in the word of God. Or other foundations is sand. And when hard times come along, you crumble and fall.
We need men that are not afraid to stand, to take a stand against the forces of evil. And the forces of evil today are out to uproot the families that we have living close to God. We need men of courage, fathers, to stand by their convictions. Never to surrender to any pressure. Men who proudly stand and say, I am here to honor God. In one of Martin Luther's great crises in his life, he was standing firmly and alone for a conviction that he refused to surrender. He was confronted furiously by a powerful opponent, not to mention who were these opponents with respect to all people. Did he realize, did he realize, asked the opponent what he was doing and what power he was defying? Did he expect any force worth mentioning to take up arms and come to help him? No, said Luther quietly. I did not expect anyone for help. Then where will you be? Thundered that person who had come to challenge him. Where will you be in the face of this tide that is coming against you? And to that, Luther answered in words that seemed to go the very heart to the very heart of things. I shall be where I have always been. Listen to that, fathers. I shall be where I have always been in the hands of Almighty God. Regardless of what you face in life, as long as you are in the hands of Almighty God, no one can overcome you. Because the word of God is always true. He who is with us is greater than he who is in the world. But how about a man with no convictions? I read about someone describing the men who live, the fathers who live without any convictions. And the description is sad. I don't want to I don't want to read it. I'll read it to you anyway. This man, he is the one who floats with the current. Who does not guide himself according to higher principles. Who has no ideal, no spiritual convictions. Such a man is a mere, art, mere article of the world's furniture. Like he's a piece of furniture. A thing moved instead of a living and moving human being. He's an echo, not a voice. The man who has no inner life is the slave of his surroundings and the humble servant of the air in motion. I know, and I hope, there is no man like this here. 
but we have men of convictions who stand firm on the word of God. Are we men of convictions? The second thing I thought of, that the godly fathers, we should be men who are unselfish. Men, you hear me? Unselfish men. In Paul's letters to the Philippians, chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important to himself. In the living room of one of the homes, the father hanged a plaque there with this inscription on it. Memo for me. Big letter. Memo for me. Others live here too. Gentlemen, fathers, there are others who live with you. And how are you doing with selfishness? During the Lord's visit here on earth, he set the highest example of unselfishness. He lived and died for others. Do you agree with that? He is sitting at the right hand of glory for others. And he's coming again for others. He lived, died, went to heaven, sitting at the right hand of glory. It's all for you and for me. And if he did this and set that example, fathers, how do we mirror against that? Selfishness is a deadly disease and works contrary to godliness. It destroys homes and disrupts families. Mrs. Edna Hughes, in her book, The Log of the Good Ship Grace, if you find it, buy it and read it. And she wrote wrote these four verses. God pity him, who lives for self, that one who does not share, the griefs and joys of other men, that one who does not care. God pity him who lives for self, when the master he shall see, and Jesus says, as you've done to them, you have done it unto me. Are you living for your family? There are many men, they think of themselves first. Me too, me first, and then my family. Wrong. Your your wife first, and your children, and then come yourselves. You should think of them in whatever you do, because you're here to provide for them. You're here to see that they are living a happily life with you. When you enter your home, they know, they know that 
Daddy came home. Let me ask you a question. Do they feel, your children, do they feel that you, they are first in your life? Family comes before work, before jobs, before promotions, before any dedicated principle in your life. The very first thing is your wife and your family. Allow me to say that because the Bible says when writing, Paul writing to the Ephesians and also to the Colossians, what did he tell husbands? What did they, husbands are fathers, right? What did he tell them? Fathers, love your wife. And be considerate and loving toward your children. And this is what we are called to do today. Men, to put ourselves last and our family first. Convicting, maybe? That's good. That's good. You be careful about that. My third word. A godly father always shows love to his family. Love. Love. You know, the family is the most profound of all human relationships. The father who really cares for his family is investing his affection and all his emotions, which will pay greatest dividends in his life here and in the life of his family. Love of family is a priority. And faithfulness to the marriage vows, let me say this, is a given, should be with Christians. Remember that sweetheart that you wanted so bad, and then she said yes, and they brought, you brought, God brought you together, and you just promised each other to love no matter what. In sickness and in health, in good times and not so good times. Remember, remember the one who's sitting by you, you've been married to her for quite some time. Is she still the same, sweetheart? Do you still love her just the same? And when I see young people in the congregation together, husband and wife says, are we still in love? And they answer me, yes, amen. They can't lie to me, I detect that. I have, remember I have, I have spies in the church. <laughs> and ask yourself, are we still in love? In love? The word love should govern the household. Fathers, you're to be committed to your wives, committed to the marriage vows, and keep that light burning and shining and nurture it every day. 
toward your wife and toward your children. You know, no, but, but someone might say, well, hey, I'm giving my children, I'm giving them everything they, want, they need in this life. They have, they have, they go to baseball, uh, they go play wherever they want, I send it to school, I'm, I provide for them, we have a nice house, you know what? In the balance, the children are not looking for this, they're looking for a father who loves them. Can you imagine with me, the father of the prodigal son, why did he see, why do you think he saw his son coming from afar? Why? Because, you know, during the old days, and I know I lived, I lived in that, the roofs of the, of the houses were flat. And to go onto the roof, the, the stairs are from the outside. And I believe with all my heart that every day, every morning, he used to go up on that little, little steps, stands on that roof and looks, is my son coming back? And when he was not there because he was a well-to-do man, he would ask some of the servants, just keep the watch for me because I'm expecting my son to come back. He loved him so much and he offered him love. And you know what brought the son, back, the son back? The love of his father and the love of God. Who brought you back? Who brought you back from lives of sin? Who brought you back from the wayward life that we all? Who brought me back if it weren't for the love of God? The love of Christ. When things are all said and done, when this life comes to an end, what the children will remember. They said, do you remember we used to play with daddy? How much we used to jump and sit on his, on his lap and jump over me and have a good time together. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take riches. It takes hearts filled with love. Your family and your children need your love. And your availability. I end with this. I came across in my studies someone that paraphrased chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to take only the first verse. And he says, listen to this. Though in the glamour, glamour of public eye, I sway the emotions of many, or by my many people, or I sway them by my silver singing or by my skillful playing and then go home and gripe because supper is late. 
or because my clothes were not cleaned and put aside, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I am able to impress others with my vast knowledge of the deep things of the word of God, doesn't matter if you are a theologian in the church of God, and though I am able to accomplish mighty things through faith, so that I become famous amongst men as a remover of mountains and have not the love that reads the deep longings of the hearts of my wife and family. And this love removes the barriers that grow up in shy and tender hearts. I am nothing. In this world of uncertainty and turbulence, we are called, fathers, to show the love of God in daily actions. Period. Your wife flourishes on your love, and your children will always remember daddy's sacrifices to fulfill his promises toward us. May the Lord help us, fathers, to be men of convictions, unselfish men, and men who show the love of Christ to our families and live and live for them. And guess what? You will have a happy home. You want a happy home? That's it. Let's bow our heads for prayers. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come and share these little thoughts with your people here. And we thank you for Christian homes, Christian fathers, and Christian mothers. And we pray that this day will be a wonderful day in the life of each and every family. Help us to live, Lord, close to you, to hear your voice, to obey your voice, and to live a life worthy of our calling. Dismiss us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The meeting is over. May God bless you and be with you. Enjoy your Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.